The Las Vegas Raiders-Kansas City Chiefs game this Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. And joining us now to talk Raiders and to talk Pac-12, Lincoln Kennedy. You hear him on the Raider radio broadcast right here on the Zone Sports Network with Brent Musburger. It'll be Sunday morning at 11. You see him on the Pac-12 Networks as a football analyst for several years now. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. So I'm curious, The uh, you know, from a distance, we see all this news about uh, NFL teams and maybe they'll play and maybe they won't, and this game to Monday and maybe this game to Tuesday. How much does this throw players, and how much have they had the whole control the controllables preached at them to the point they're like, tell me what time kickoff is, I'll be there? Um, it's, it's, it's getting pretty bad. And the reason why it's getting pretty bad is because now you're starting to mess with other people's money, most notably the players and the teams that you're going to play. The NFL's got to get a hold of this right now. They've got to send out, you know, they've got to make sure that they're serious because as you guys know, you know, really, there's nothing bigger than the brand uh, that is the NFL, and, and it's too big of a juggernaut to really be stopped. But now, what the Tennessee Titans are doing is they're throwing off everyone else's schedules because I think their next opponent that they move to Tuesday is Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Well, Buffalo was supposed to play that Thursday, the same Thursday. So now that they got to move that game. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the domino effect that's coming from one team testing COVID uh, positive and shutting down is starting to have um, uh, ex- extenuating circumstances. Is starting to keep uh, is starting to mess up other things, and so now it becomes trouble. And you might have to get to a point, to be honest with you guys, where um, you know they're going to find them obviously and, and probably try to hold them accountable in other ways. But they might just have to start uh, um, uh, uh, forfeiting games to keep the schedule moving. And, and I think that's the next step. Wow, the forfeiture, forfeiture of games would be something that's unprecedented. Yeah, well, this uh, whole thing is unprecedented. Yeah. It really is. But there's, there's really, think about it, guys. There's no other way to get in front of it because you can't keep putting teams off, putting teams off. Now you're talking about moving a game to Tuesday. And even if the, even if the, 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 the team that you're playing was supposed to play on Sunday, that makes that hard. Yeah, but the forfeit thing, the thing I read about the forfeit, that goes back to your point about messing with other people's money. If the Titans have to forfeit, then the Bills players don't get paid one-sixteenth of their salary. That's exactly and right. Somebody that's, making, when, that's when the, uh, yeah. the NFLPA is going to try to get involved right? and try to you know, just say you know, they've given them their game checks. But that's, that's what you're heading down right now. So the Raiders got the, the Chiefs scheduled. Yeah. It's always fascinated me at every level, the quarterback position. You see this from making the jump from high school to the pros to where, or excuse me, high school to college, to where some guys are hit, some guys are miss, and then you see it in the pros, and you got an opportunity to have the Raiders play Mahomes. And it's not like he was uh, you know, a late-round pick, because I think he was first. I mean, yeah. I think he was the 10th pick. But nine other teams passed on him, and some of those teams would have had a quarterback that maybe they didn't want to, to take over him. But why do you think it's so hard to judge the quarterback position in terms of who's going to pan out and who isn't? You know, one of the things that you do when you're a coach, especially an offensive-minded coach, is you try to look at guys who can best 
you know, uh, support your system or what, what you have in mind. And the thing was is that when, when they got Patrick Mahomes, they already had Alex Smith at quarterback. They knew he was aging, so they were looking for the future. And, 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 and Andy Reid had all the intentions in the world, like he did, to sit that quarterback and allow him to learn and process it. But you can't really, you can't really scout the intangible of confidence and ability. And the thing was is when Andy Reid put Patrick Mahomes on the field with the, the, the receivers and the, the people that he had around him, had no idea that he, the sky was going to become the limit. Patrick Mahomes gained confidence very early in his career, extremely early, when he thought he knew his his abilities and what that offense could, to you know, just be a milestone. And it wasn't, it didn't start off with you know just all a bunch of fireworks, but he came in and realized what he could and could not do. The hardest thing about scouting, even with the eye test, is knowing how a guy is going to perform on the next level. There are times where guys play like men in college football, and then when they get to the next level, they can't get over being a boy. And, and that's, you, that, that's hard to quantify. Whether it's analytics, whether it's the eye test, however you come to it, it's hard to quantify. And that's why the quarterback position is the most difficult. Some guys in the quarterback position have to learn by fire. They have to take their lumps, and they've got to get beat up before they really get it. And a lot of times it's a coaching change and other things, but it's just there's not a, it's not a uh, consistent science or an exact science, I should say. Um, but you have to roll your hand in the dice. The thing is, for the Chiefs, they got a they got a quarterback for the next twelve years, and for the Raiders, we got to see him twice a year every year <laughs> until he retires. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm a little curious about the Chiefs. As awesome as they've been, and I've said on this show multiple times. Like Mahomes is the one quarterback to me. He's must see TV, and that's yeah. not to dump on uh, you know a handful of other Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, but Mahomes. There's just something about him. He's got it. But watching him this year, like the Chargers defended him pretty well. Now the Chiefs win at twenty three twenty, but twenty three is not an outrageous point total. The right. Patriots defended him pretty well. Now the Chiefs win twenty six ten. They had a defensive touchdown at the end of that game, also. So I'm wondering in little bit. Bits and pieces here. Are they starting to catch up to the Chiefs a little bit, or have I just set the bar too high and nobody gets to score 34 points every week and throw for 350 yards every week? So I need to just calm myself down. This is just life in the NFL. Well, life in the NFL this year, especially, has been scoring is up, offensive output is up. So you know, it's not it's not inconceivable to see that you know a, a team like the Chiefs could have so much success. But I will say this. You know, it's hard to play at a high level of, uh, uh, you know, a performance every single week. There are times where you're going to have down weeks. There are times like with the Chargers, you know, the Chargers had the luxury of having uh, ability with the front four that could apply pressure. You could play coverage on the back end. What the the, uh, Patriots did last week is they tried to rush three. They tried to rush two. They tried to double zone uh, their primary receivers and and just create a cloud, if you will, that won't let anything over the top. But even still, Patrick Mahomes found a way to defeat that with his legs. The, I think Tennessee, if you go back to the AFC Championship game last year, you try to take a, t- a page out of Tennessee's uh, Titans book, um, you say, where did they go wrong? Well, to me, rushing three is not bad. Having a spy is not bad. However, you need to have a spy who can catch the guy he's spying. They, they, they defeat your purpose if the, guy, if the quarterback <laughs> cannot run your spy. So now you get into what we're talking, looking at maybe dime defenses, if you will, a lot of teams don't have the luxuries like the Chargers where you have, you know, seven or eight good defensive backslash safeties. 
Um, but you see teams are starting to catch up. So I've always thought offenses were like a year ahead of defenses, and if you play the same thing, eventually you're going to catch up and slow down. But, look, you go back to the Baltimore game, and I think you know going into it statistically, it was Baltimore Ravens defense was the highest um, a stat of defense that the, the Chiefs had played. After Baltimore marched down the field and go scored that first touchdown, I honestly believe that Patrick Mahomes and, the, and Andy Reid and that staff were on the sideline like, okay, you guys want to play? Let's show you how we're going to play. And they turned it up. That's the problem that you have when you face the Chiefs. They have that ability to turn it up. So that rushing three is somewhat controversial. As an yeah. offensive lineman, which do you prefer? Oh, rush three all the time. I'd love life. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, but, but the thing is, is for the Chiefs, if there's one weakness on their offense, it's their offensive line. Well, that's, that's kind of a big problem, isn't it? Well, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the way you look at it. When, when people are chasing Patrick, sometimes just like Russell Wilson, he's at his best with improvising, right? Yeah. So when you think about the breakdown that you have with rushing three, the problem is that when you rush three, you're opening up lanes. Whether it's the outside or inside, you're opening up lanes. And so what Tennessee tried to do is they tried to have a spy. So if Patrick Mahomes scrambled and ran, that they could, they could tackle him. However, the spy couldn't catch Patrick Mahomes when it happened. So he used his legs to push the ball forward. And, and as you get closer to the goal line in the red zone, it becomes more difficult for the offense. It's be more of an advantage for the defense because um, if you're rushing three and you're dropping eight, then you've got eight in coverage and it's not a lot of space to get balls in. Well, therein lies, there comes their screen game as well as what they did last week, the reverse game, where they're, they're running jet sweeps and reverses and, and short passes to just try to get the ball in their playmakers' hands and have them make yards after the catch, which becomes you know harder, uh, more advantage of the offense. Did you get an opportunity to see the Pac-12 preseason poll? And what, if you did, what do you think? No, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a big fan of um, this the whole season because I think everything is thrown off. I, I, I mean, I support the fact that people want to work and you know, kids want to play football. I, I, I get it. It's just this has been just a big old cluster bump, if you will, of some teams playing now, then some teams playing then, and some teams playing here. And, and overall, the product that I've seen on college football, guys, I've been extremely disappointed because it's been very sloppy. So I know they want to play and they're going to play. I'm not saying the Pac-12 is going to happen, but from what I've seen of the football that we've seen, I mean, you've seen notable programs look really, really bad on TV at a national stage, and it has, I'm not a big fan of it right now. So you've been watching the Big 12, huh? Because been watching the Big 12, been oh. watching the SEC, been watching the ACC. And I tell you what, a couple of weeks ago when I was watching Miami and Florida State, I couldn't believe that I saw you know, the emblem of Florida State playing that badly. I mean, there were, there were guys that weren't even covered running downfield. And I just, <laughs> that's basic. You know, forget about, you know, uh, ability. That's basic. And it's been incredibly sloppy. That, that uh, Oklahoma-Iowa uh, State game, sloppy. And it's not even fun to watch. So, like I said, I'm not really a big fan of the product right now. Oklahoma and Texas, 50 missed tackles and 100 points. Over or under? <laughs> over. I thought you'd say it's that. It's Big 12. Yeah. Over. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln Kennedy joining us right now. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders radio, Pac-12 Network football analyst. I'm curious how much, given the times, 
you get to interact with Raider fans in Vegas on any level, virtual meet and greets or anything, because normally a new team in town, a new stadium, there'd all be all this hype and enthusiasm. Do you just go into town, call the game in an empty stadium, and leave? Do you have any feel for that at all? Well, well, I will say this. What Vegas has happened, because we're doing all of our games from Allegiant Stadium, both home and away, mm-hmm. what has happened in Vegas is Vegas has started to open back up. I think the, the night before the Saints and the Raiders played the Sunday night, the bars kind of opened back up with limited capacity. And there have been tons of fans. I mean, when New Orleans was playing the, the Raiders, there were tons of fans from New Orleans that were out there. There are people. Vegas is still not Vegas what it used to be because of the, uh, you know, of COVID has showed down. There are not people doing shows and stuff like that. But um, it's opening back up. So the interaction, the, the fanfare for Vegas, a new party town, has been on point. Um, what's, uh, uh, you know, what the teams are having to deal with is that, you know, or not the teams, just overall the people can't come to the stadium. At least it's a beautiful stadium. And when it opens up, I think people will be imp- uh, impressed with it. But um, they just can't enjoy the stadiums. But they're doing everything else they can to party. So the other night I'm flicking around, <clears throat> and stay with me here, you'll get my point, is uh, I see Rocky two, so I stop and watch it, and there Apollo is, they're doing an interview, and he's being interviewed a- at the gym, and he's being interviewed by a, uh, uh, an actor who's playing a broadcast journalist, only he is a broadcast journalist, his name is Brent Musburger, this movie <laughs> came out in 1979, and you're working with Brent Musburger, who if I remember correctly, was sitting on the lounge chair in that famous photo of uh, Joe Namath, which was 10 years earlier than that, this guy is an unbelievable legend, what the heck is it like to work with somebody the caliber of Brent Musburger? It's a constant dreamland because I find myself at the broadcast getting lost in just his voice because I've known Brent since. Hey, Brent did a Rose Bowl when I played. I remember that's the first time we actually met, um, and, and now we're working together. It's surreal. He's a legend, and we, he has you know stories of up the wazoo about everything that he's crossed and last week we were talking about Howard Cosell and and working with him at the Olympics when the uh, when uh, when the uh, the Carlos and uh, and um, Owens were doing the the, the protest so you know it's it, these are things that 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 you can't put a price on because they're absolutely wonderful and it's wonderful to deal with them I just saw him in a 30 for 30, I don't know what it was, it was something about football, and they were doing a bit with Jimmy the Greek on, uh, mm-hmm. oh, it was the two Bills, it was the two Bills, 30 for 30, and he was talking about uh, Jimmy the Greek made his pick and, uh, and said, you know, the Giants and the Giants defense and, you know, Bill's the greatest, and Musburger turned around in that trademark voice, he goes, there you have it. From the Greek. <laughs> and I was like, well, there was my flashback for the day. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> very true. Very yeah. true. No, it's, it's fun. It really is fun. It's, and, and the thing is, is that it's, it's different for me because, to be honest with you guys, he's taught me so much. I'm such a, uh, a guy who watches intangibles like body language, the way players walk on and off the field and stuff like that. When we have to do away games via TV, that's odd for me. I, it's hard for me. I, I'm out of my element. He's been watching monitors for years. He can do it. And there might be a new way of calling games, guys, where you don't have crews go to stadiums. Who knows? We don't know what normal's going to be after this whole thing. But I've had to do several games where I'm just I'm commentating from a TV screen. And that is so alien to me. It feels weird. And, and, you know, but at the same time, learning from him and watching how he does it 
with such patience and such precise, uh, you know, detail to, to his craft has taught me a lot, especially this year in, cha- in challenge. If billion dollar corporations have a chance to save money, count, yeah. on, count on it. <laughs> True story, right? <laughs> Don't get between corporate America and their money. That, that, that doesn't that, That's for well. sure, right? Yeah. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate the time as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the game. Sounds good, guys. Sounds good, guys. Be well.